This podcast is brought to you by ThamesCon, bringing conventions to Oxford and London, including the Great Conjunction, the first ever dark crystal convention in the world. For more information, visit their website at www.thegreatconjunction.com. Another world, another time, in the age of wonder. You are listening to Trial by Stone. Trial by Stone! Dea, Tea, Dara, Tea. Your vital essence, the Dark Crystal. Kida, Kida. Come, come, see for yourself. Aru, Garu. How very interesting. Dea, Tea. I feel the song of Thra in my heart! Now go, you heroes of Thra! Hello and welcome to Trial by Stone, your vital essence on all things Dark Crystal. I'm your host, Phil, and I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in to the show you know, as we keep discussing all things Dark Crystal. And this is part two of our HUP discussion. If you listen to the previous episode, um, Sydney and I, we we discuss about HUP at, at length. But today, you know, of course, we've got Jamie, um, the co-host, to um, be back to sort of join in the discussion with all things HUP. And also, we'll, we'll, we'll have a look at some some of the uh, sort of the messages that we sort of, that, I, that I sort of looked at um, last night just to uh, see what people posted about HUP. Um, some interesting things here and there. So, I think there's a, quite a lot to to discuss. So um, yeah, so I, and so with me as always is my co-host Sam um, Sydney. So Sydney, how you doing? <laughs> Hello, everybody. I'm doing good today. Uh, weather's finally feeling like autumn, so I'm in my happy place. Yeah. <laughs> we have Jamie and, today. And welcome. And Jamie, we got Jamie back today. So how how you doing, Jamie? Hello, hello. I'm here to talk about my yeah. boy. <laughs> and uh, your second happy place is Disneyland. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, all things considered, if Disneyland's closed, the best I can do is to blast Disney, uh, Disney music in my apartment. But the, but the weather is making me happy, at least, is my point. The closer we get to Halloween. But, oh, yes. But yes. yeah, no Disneyland yet. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, uh, so actually, before we start um, discussing um, about Hub, I, I do actually wanted to say, uh, just a big thanks to everyone that what that actually watched our um, special two-part interview uh, that we had with Jeff Addis, Will Matthews, and Louis Leterrier. Because I mean, as we're recording, we were recording this, you know, after we've um, chatted to them, and um, yeah, we had a had a blast chatting to to them three on the show about about the Dark Crystal Age of Resistance and so much more. So, but if you haven't had a chance, you can definitely watch them on on our YouTube channel or on Facebook. Um, that they'll be there that, that you can um, check out those uh, videos. Yeah, definitely watch the video so you can see the big hands. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's like the, the enhanced version um, of the show. So it's like, yeah, you can listen to it in audio, but if you want the full experience, um, yeah, the video is the way to go. You need the emphatic <laughs> gesturing. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so that's, that, that's sort of all I wanted to say just about that. So definitely check them out if you haven't already. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about HUP. I know, um, I know we didn't have you last time, um, Jamie. So like, like we, we, we talked a lot about HUP and, um, actually, I mean, one of the questions I probably want to ask you is, um, well, what, what did HUP meant to you in, in the show? Like, you know, um, well, that's a good question. Uh, first of all, 
like you, I only saw images of Hut before the show was released, and I was skeptical. Um, and I think part of me was skeptical going into the show in general, just because I didn't know Louie, I don't know the writers. Not that I know any of these people for films or shows that I watch. You know what I mean? Like, you don't know. You, you go into something hoping that you'll love it, scared that you might not. Uh, I, I want to love everything. That's the kind of guy that I am. Um, but... So, but obviously with the Dark Crystal, as you guys know, as everyone listening knows, this is sacred ground for me. This show and this this series, this mythology is the most sacred thing in my life. Um, so that's very, it's a scary thing. So I, much like you, and I'm kind of rewinding back a little bit because when I rem- I was thinking about this the other day, when the show was first announced that day that I'll never forget that I bring up with Phil all the time <laughs> when I told Shannon to wake yeah. him up um, three years ago. And I, they said, Louis Leterrier is going to be directing. And I'm like, who is this? I don't know who Louis Leterrier is. Despite the fact that I'd seen all of his films and I really loved all of them, a couple, a couple of them I don't connect to. They're not my favorites or whatever. But like Incredible Hulk, all of his Clash of the Titans, Now You See Me, Now You Don't, which is one of my favorite films of all time, which I had no idea he even directed. I love um, Now You See Me. Yeah, I me too. It is me. so good. It is so good. Um, so I was like, who is? The, who are these people? And I remember the first picture we saw of Louis was with the bust of the Chamberlain. I'm getting back to Hup in a second. Yeah, no, that's, just, not, no, that's fine, yeah. <laughs> um, so I remember looking at that picture of him and he's standing there smiling next to the bust of the Chamberlain. And of course, I'm actually looking at the Chamberlain thinking, did they get this right? <laughs> Is he going to look like the Chamberlain? And then I looked at Louie and I'm like, wow, he's just got such a wonderful, calm smile. He's so peaceful and loving, just a really loving. And I'm like, OK, let's find out as much as I can about this guy, because really me finding out about who these people are creating this show is going to inform me how they approach the show and i remember when we were talking in the earlier days before the show released i was nervous this is back when ethan was on i was nervous that hup might be this streetwise um you know like kind of little podling thug you know um like with like very 2020 diet not 2020 but maybe 2019 like quips like total comic relief I was really afraid that that's what he was going to turn into. He was going to be comic relief. Um, and then things started to rumble and roll and Phil and I met up and we met Louie and they kind of, and, and we met the writers and they kind of uh, made fun of me a little bit for saying, Oh, you know, like he's going to be some streetwise guy, you know? And of course that wasn't the case, but then I started seeing photos of Hup and he looked like he was a stoned out of his mind. Um, but he was just tired. It was uh, the, the uh, oh, those, it was at the circle of the seven sons. Yeah. Circle of the seven yeah. sons. Help one die. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember seeing those photos and dying laughing because they all looked stoned out of their minds. Yeah. And they weren't stoned. They were just tired. tired. Yeah, just just the way um, his eyes were looked. But, yeah, yeah. We got up, pizza. But it was still like okay, so maybe he's not going to be the street the streetwise podling. He's going to be the stoner podling. And I was still skeptical, you know. Um, and then again, we got to know some of the creators behind it and I got to see, you know, a few things here and there. And finally the show came out and hop for me turned into 
my favorite, maybe probably my favorite character of uh, the show because he is truly the underdog. He was on a completely separate quest. He ap- he happened to run into Deet, um, and his his life changed from there. But he was just this little humble little guy wanting to live his dream. That's all he wanted to do. He wanted to live his dream the best way he knew how. And he was in the forest alone trying to have to make that happen. He didn't really know. He thought maybe, well, he was headed towards um, Harar, towards the Almodric Palace. And that's what he was set out to do. And I feel like all of us are sort of doing versions of that ourselves. We're all on our own journey. We're maybe not all alone, but we're sort of all out there on our own. Yeah, whether we're, just we're us partner. and our spoons. Yeah, us and our spoons. And we take what we have with us. And for Hup, it was a spoon. And for um, all of us in the real world, it's something different. It might be your spouse. It might be your dog. It might be your art. It might be anything. And I really, truly related to him. He really, he became to me the story of Age of Resistance, um, where and it reminds me of Lord of the Rings when Galadriel says to Frodo, even the smallest creature can change, can alter the course of history or whatever she says. Really powerful statement that she makes. And I was like, this is Hup. And I really saw myself in him. Um, and so that's kind of how I approached him in the beginning. Yeah, and we definitely talked a lot, uh, Phil and I, last time about how Hup kind of in many ways serves as our eyes in the show. And, you know, because he's so relatable and because he's going through things that so many of us have felt, you know, as um, everyone's had moments of feeling like the underdog or feeling like the odds are stacked against you or like it's just you and your spoon out in the woods. And, um, you know, there's so many moments of discovery for him where so just like with Deet and with all the characters where there are moments where they each have their moments where something's totally new and they're discovering something about life that they didn't know about before. Um, with Hup, it just, it feels very human, even though he is a potato. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> a uh, sweet potato. He is a, he's the sweetest potato. The sweetest potato. Um, he's just our little yam baby and he's our hero. So yeah, he did, it's definitely very easy to, um, to see him as sort of our conduit <laughs> through through the adventures that they go through in Age of Resistance. He is, we are Hup. Yeah, absolutely. And and like, I, I think as I talked maybe in the previous episode that like with Hup, like he, like it's it's really interesting with, with his character because it's like, I think initially we probably thought because while well, he's a podling that he was going to be the funny type because as we know from the, you know, the things that we know from the film that, you know, they love to dance, they love to party, you know, you know, they're, they're, they're sort of the, the Muppety, you know, the Muppety of the Dark Crystal, essentially. And I think that's probably, yeah, when we were going into the show that I think that's what we were all sort of perceiving of, this is what Hup might, you know, be like. Um, but the fact that Hup is a very, like, he's a very different character, like, you know, of, you know, of the podling um clan you know compared to you know all the other podlings that we see you know in the show like you know even in the deterge where they're all just yeah. like you know throwing mud at, at each other and running amok and um running buck naked yeah. at times so you know yeah. it's just um Potatoes yeah out. exactly um <laughs> and i think that's um i think for me that was one of the surprising things about with harp as how different of a podling he is and i think that what's um makes him really unique because i mean 
you know, his sort of backstory is that, well, the reason he has a spoon is that, you know, he was a, he was a cook. Um, and so, you know, that was sort of, you know, his direction one point, but then, you know, once he sort of changed, he's like, nah, you know, I want to, you know, be a paladin, you know, he want, wants to protect the old Mordra. Um, and I mean, you know, it, it, it was sort of interesting that, you know, he was all alone, like initially in his journey, like he was just gonna head off there by himself. Um, yeah, he was totally content to not have any help whatsoever. Um, and that's even without the context of the comics, because I realize a lot of people aren't reading the comics and, you know, you can't expect everyone to be getting into the expanded universe stuff. So pretending we don't know about the comic stuff for a minute. Um, and I also know Jamie's not really a reader of the comics as well. So I, and I'm sure a lot of listeners are just basing th their context on what we got from Age of Resistance. Right. So even without that context from the comics, knowing, you know, that he was a, a cook before and everything, you don't need the context necessarily to have it resonate with you that oh my goodness this character was totally content to just go out into these woods that are um this forest is full of dangerous creatures who are you know some of them are darkened and there's these you know big spiders and he had no help whatsoever and was totally fine to just go all the way to Harar just him and not only does he see Deet on the way in trouble, it's his instinct is to help her and he hasn't even met her yet. Like his instinct is kindness and um, risking himself to to help others. And he had no incentive to do that. Like, she was someone in need. There was nothing necessarily in it for yeah. him other than yeah. this person might accompany me. But he had no reason to know for sure whether what kind of a person Deet was going to be if she was going to be grateful if she was going to accompany him on the rest of his journey all he knew was this exactly 100 percent. that's just his instinct yeah and and yeah and like and and she was in trouble with the spitter and then you know just sort of right place at the right time you know hub sort of comes in and and i mean he he like he was fearless i mean like for me if i was in like i you know for me like for me if i was encountering a threat up i'd be pretty damn scared you know um and so like for him to be able to you know try you know try to save deet and you know swinging on that on that swing and um <laughs> and getting caught in the webs All he and, had was his yeah spoon. yeah yeah but then deet sort of helps out you know with you know pushing him towards the spider and um i was just gonna say a word that comes to mind that we haven't said is bravery he's very brave it's a brave thing to say i'm going to follow my dreams it's a brave thing to step out into him indeed are doing similar things hop is called to be a paladin at the at the palace of the almadra and deet is sort of called to also go there and warn her and hup's call his personal call threw him in those woods by himself alone um, and that's also bravery. That's a heroic thing to do. It's a heroic thing to do to take a risk to go out on your own and say, "I have a dream and I want to find it. I want to know. I want to. I want to know what that dream is for myself." And he followed it. And I do think he does sort of rise above the rest of the podlings because he's the only humanized. I say the term humanized because that's the only context that we have. He's the only humanized podling that we've met. Uh, aside from Kira's mother in the original film, who seems a little bit more like she has a little bit more of a personality. Um, but he really, he wants something bigger for, he reminds me, I don't know if you guys are familiar with E.M. Forster or his book, Howard's End, 
Um, but there's a character named Leonard Bast, and he's this uh, he's this lower class guy who has these really big dreams and he goes out into the forest and he just walks because it inspires him and he reads these books and people are like what are you doing he's like well i just went for a walk in the forest and people were like why and he's like because i just needed to get out and to see the world and i think hup is similar where there's sort of a caste system in the, the land of thra and the podlings are at the lower end of it or the lowest end of it in terms of of intelligent creatures the podlings are the more subservient group and hop's like well i've sort of had my f- i want to do this in my own way i want to serve in my own way and this is what serving looks like for me uh and it's again it's a very brave thing that he did and it's it's so inspiring it's so so inspiring because he didn't probably know what he was doing um he didn't really know the language obviously he knew a couple things here and there but he didn't know the language um, and so now he wants to enter into a an economy and a culture where the language is completely different. What's expected of him is completely different. And he's also this tiny little guy. And paladins are these, in his mind, these tall, you know, beautiful elf-like creatures. And he's not any of those things. Um, and he thought, this is where I belonged. And that's, oh, that's... That is inspiring to me. Yeah. It's also a really amazing, inspiring message and an important message to be able to say, you know, he had all of these odds stacked against him in that, you know, for all the reasons that you just mentioned, Jamie, and yet he didn't let that be a a barrier or a, a reason to not go after it because I feel like it's so common in our culture nowadays to just sort of think, I have these big dreams, but I can't do this until I've done this. I'm going to, um, you know, I have all of these big dreams on hold, but I can't get to stage B until I've accomplished stage A. I have to do this whole thing because I have all these huge expectations of myself and, well, I'll be able to do that once I do this. Whereas Hub shows that, you know, sometimes or most of the time, actually, if you just wait around for something to happen before you take the leap, you end up never doing it, and then you're left with regret. Whereas Hup, he literally just had his spoon, and he has the hand that he was dealt, and he played it, and he went out for it. He didn't wait around for, you know, well, I would do this if I were, if I, if only I were a foot taller, or if only, you know, maybe I need to wait until I can find somebody to train me. Maybe I need to wait until I can afford to get a sword instead of a spoon. Like, he didn't let any of that be a barrier which I think we as humans a lot of the time create barriers and ultimately excuses for ourselves to um, prevent ourselves from accomplishing those big dreams because we get so overwhelmed and intimidated by them and Hup shows that it's okay to be intimidated and to have those feelings and to be afraid but that doesn't stop you real bravery is acknowledging yes I'm afraid yes this is scary but I have to do it and I'm going to do it regardless um so it's it's just a really good message again another reason why it's so great for children and for adults because the sooner we can start ingraining messages like that the better the future is going to be (laughs) if um more people who are children now grow up to be um, members of society who don't wait around and make excuses and who are kind and who are brave um who 
see opportunities to not let their supposed shortcomings stop them from helping others. So Huff is very, very important in that way. Um, and especially like, you know, really in episode, um, uh, you know, I'm trying to think of all these different episodes, episode five, when he was sort of, he felt he was at his lowest and, um, you know, when he's like, you know, Huff want to protect Dean and, um, like he felt sad that he wouldn't be able to, um, you know, scared for date, scared for date. But then when Dean sort of reminds him about, you know, well, you've done all these amazing things for me, you know, you protected me from the gulflings that's thrown in the wood and, and from the gobbles. And, um, and, and, and I was just having a look, um, I had a look, I think at, um, Nerdist. I actually did a, a little article about, um, a tribute to Hup and, um, uh, I thought I might like read just a little bit um, from this article, um, just sort of towards the end. I don't want to, you know, just put it out there. So all, all he wanted in life was to be a paladin and a servant of Thra. But when he thought his dream would get someone else hurt, he was willing to walk away from all of it. Uh, Hup wasn't just a great and selfless soldier. He was kind and a good friend who puts others above himself, even when it meant giving up on himself. Hup could deal with hurting himself but not seeing someone else suffer. But as Deet said, as she reminded him, um, as she reminded the, the usually cheery and full of life hub of all the ways he had already kept her safe. He was already a paladin in the truest sense. A title doesn't make a Skeksis a true Lord of the Crystal, nor does it make a title make anyone, make someone a real paladin for, or the um, Ormodra. And being a podling doesn't mean you can't be a great hero. Um, all denizens of Thra, like all of us, are defined by what they do, not what the world says they are. Heroes come in all shapes and sizes, and someone like Hup stand tall with nothing more than a spoon and a big heart. <laughs> I think, I think that heroes to be a hero, really, it's not about what you're doing so much; it's about the act of selflessness. That's why Pot, um, Hup is a hero because he, he defended Deet selflessly no matter what was going to happen to him he got up in the the in Skekmile's face and said you can't hurt her no hurt Deet and of course Hup is no match for Skekmile and Skekmile made quick work of him but that's a hero he didn't really think he just acted like you can't he went to go defend her and really that's what heroes do and Deet had a similar path where she sacrificed herself I think here the work of heroes isn't like, oh my God, I'm lifting up, I'm doing this one thing, I'm doing this big, great thing. That is not what heroes do. It's it's what's behind it. It's the emotion behind it. It's That's what makes a hero. And I think it's so important. And that scene that you're talking about, I remember the first time I saw Age of Resistance and I saw Hut break down and he's crying. I was crying in that scene and I'm not a crier, um, but I saw myself so intimately in this tiny little person um, and his, like, I'm just trying to do my best and I don't feel like I'm doing good enough. And we've all been there. We've all been there where we're, we, we just, and I think especially in the year of 2020, like every day it's like, oh, like we're all just trying to do our best. We're all just on our, on our way to, you know, the all madras and everything is, yeah. we are all sad potatoes yeah, this year. Yeah. All of us. And we're trying to do our best and we're trying to. So, and whatever that, and it might, it's different for every day. And um, I just really, it resonated with me. He he has such a deep arc. He has such a, a deep sense of character. And it would have been easy 
for them to have just made him comic relief. And in fact, that was the the point. Uh, I think Addis, Jeffrey Addis talked about like that he was going to be more comic relief, but then they changed it realizing, no, this is a deeper character. And thank God they did because they would have shortchanged him. Um, because really there's no, there are people in our own lives who may be funnier, um, maybe sort of may, might be that comic relief, might be the funny guy, but we also know that there's something deeper about them. There's something about them that maybe that comedy for them gets them through their day, that they're three-dimensional. And I think them making Hup three-dimensional added to his character. Because the film, the show wouldn't be the same without him. No way. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And I mean, that, that was the thing, like originally, yeah, you know, had it been, had this Adrian has been a one, you know, like a one season story that they, you know, you know, pretty much did a checklist box, you know, we go, we go explain, is it, you know, how the Gelflings rise up against the Skeksis or how the Gartham Wars start and, you know, the prophecy and then all, you know, all these check boxes. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, that was the thing, like had they done all that, then we would not have got much of Hup, like, like, he would have been just a very small role and, and, and same with other characters as I said, like with Celadon, for example. Um, and she, she's a big player, big, 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 big player in, in the show. Um, so yeah, it's crazy to think about that. Um, but I think that's what really made the show better just for them to have that time to, you know, that, that breathing space. And I mean, you know, if you look at the original film, like, like, yeah, I know probably one of the criticisms of the film is that it is a very slow paced kind of film. Um, but it's sort of, but it's sort of, I feel like it's sort of designed that way because it's like, well, you, you sort of seeing this world for the first time. So, you know, need to take that time to take it all in. And I kind of like that they sort of went, you know, even though the show was pretty, you know, it seemed very fast paced at times, but, um, you know, but there was times where like, like you needed that time to sort of have that breathing space and not rush into things too, too much. Well, plus that time is spent not just dawdling around, it's spent building characters and giving us, giving us characters to love. It's not just, you know, we're taking an hour in this episode to just describe a big dinner and show you how awesome this food looks. It's, you know, it didn't go George Martin on us. What it did do was give us these, these moments of genuine character connection and in a lot of ways that that has to win out over checking the boxes as you said and um sort of like we we talked about with the writers uh, a few weeks back how it's not necessarily answering all the whys (laughs) you know going in and answering every question about the plot and the history and because a lot of the time that ends up being where prequels fail and fall flat is because they spend so much time opening these mystery boxes and giving you all of these these big plot answers that you didn't really ask for and not leaving any ambiguity whatsoever or anything open for interpretation and then character development is left at the wayside whereas what makes Age of Resistance such such a successful prequel is because it chose letting characters win out um, letting letting characters be developed and letting characters make genuine connections with audiences over just answering questions um, because how how boring would that be like you can make it as fast paced as you want but if all it's doing is just 
answering unnecessary things that you didn't ask for and giving, you know, all of this extra plot fluff, um, you know, you can actually lessen the storytelling in that way, as you guys know. And as we talked about with the writers, it's absolutely true. Hup, I can't imagine Hup being just, you know, to paraphrase what a lot of other people have said, he could have been the Jar Jar Binks of the franchise. You know, we've had a few comments in the responses like, well, if not for how fleshed out he was, Hup totally could have been the Jar Jar Binks of the franchise, you know, and um, even though I am a fan of Jar Jar, I will leave that aside here for a minute, and it's not the point. Um, I can't imagine if, if Hup had not had all of this character development. I would have been pretty mad if um, instead of getting all of this amazing, important lessons about life and humanity from Hup, Instead, we had just found out, like, what's the deal with the bearded winged gelflings? Like, I'm okay to still have some mystery there for now. Um, if it means that instead we had that time filled with actually getting characters to connect with, like Hup and Celadon, who had similar stories. She almost was going to be nothing, and then she turned out to be this big character. Like, tch, yeah, crazy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, yeah. You know, like, I was just thinking about, like, um, with with Hup, and I know I talked about some some of my favorite moments from the show, and I think one of which was just you know fighting you know when he in the certain word he was fighting against you know the, the other Gelflings, which which is kind of you know it, it, it like it's funny in that way that you know just never imagine seeing a podling you know sort of have a little you know scuffle with other pot with other um Gelflings, but but also there was some underlying issues behind you know while you know he's doing that to protect Date and. Um, and all that kind of stuff. But for me, another um, one of my favorites as scenes was when they arrive uh, to Harar and they're all trying to figure out of how we got to get Teet in, and and then that's when he sort of you know does his own little mission, pretty much, and you know and stealing vaporing garments and you know all the clothes and stuff to to disguise Deet and and you think it's not gonna work, you know, once they get through the gate. And then you know, brother Paladin, and <laughs> just um, uh, convincing them to that that this Vaporin lady had an important message, and he gets in, and and I just actually I love that reaction that he look, that he does to date, you know that that wide-eyed smile sort of thing that <laughs> they manage. Oh my God, we actually got through <laughs> through this. <laughs> yeah, like he he kind of knew all along that he was gonna pull it off, um, because again, there's that just that confidence and that hey, I may not have everything I need to do this to pull this up. I'm going to do it anyway. And just, what do I have to lose? I might as well just go for it. It was another example of that. Awesome. And it also opens up, like, I know a lot of people talked about, we want more of those Hup shorts, right? The little short films that uh, maybe Victor Yard could have done for, like, like when he was teaching the podling words and stuff. Another one, uh, the scene you bring up kind of inspires another idea, like little makeover videos where, or, like, style tips from Hup. <laughs> <laughs> because he gives Deet that little Vaprin makeover. Like, how cute would that have been for Hup to give you, like, little style tidbits and, like, instead of doing this with your hair, try messing it up a little bit and sticking it out of your hat for an added, added uh, pizzazz to your style. Like, imagine, you know, little little mini makeovers from, from Hup. Like, just there's so much potential with that character. One thing I think, um, as we're certainly talking about Hup, but one thing... I love about not just Hup, but about the show and Hup in context of the show. And this is um, this is something I've been thinking about for a, a couple of years now in terms of commentary and characters and 
how we've discussed before how so much in Age of Resistance is applicable to the life that we're living right now, just in terms of doing the right thing and um, being the light in our own darkening, you know, um, and knowing what the darkening is and calling it out and all of those things. Um, but a really brilliant thing that didn't happen was there was no, when we first got the first images of Age of Resistance, which was Deet, Rianne, and Brea, all we were given was photos of them. There was a little bit of a synopsis, but there was no commentary on who these characters were. There was no commentary on what their intent was. There was no commentary on agenda for the show. This show is going to speak to blah, 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 blah. And even in the documentary, there was some few statements made, but no real overt commentary on this show was about, you know, this social issue or to commentary on this social issue, even though it probably is in its own way. But great stories, great characters don't need commentary. They are their commentary themselves. Um, and we were given Age of Resistance the same way we were given the Dark Crystal, without commentary. And it spoke to us on its own merit. Hup speaks to us on, on his own merit. And that is very difficult to do in an age of information that we live in where everything has commentary. And even the reaction from the show has people talking about how much it's touched them. Um, and there's been some conversations here and there about agenda or this or that, but those conversations have been very few and far between in general. That's this story. These characters Hup, is touching our lives in a way. Good stories do, and it speaks to us personally and it could have some larger meaning. It could have some larger societal implications. We can look at the show in five years, um, after we're far away from 2020 and think, holy cow, what a year that was and how this show spoke to us and how it was a time and place um, and all the social implications, the political implications, everything sort of working together. Um, but all of those things are just sort of commentary or they're anecdotal to the story being amazing and amazing stories speak to everyone in its own way and they're very living things there's things that change and move every time we see it it's almost like a sacred text sacred text tends to be living it tends to be something that's alive in people and this show is um testament to that and it's funny as i talk about all this i'm thinking like it's not to say that I, I don't maybe have nitpicks or, I mean, I do think that the show is a masterpiece. It's not to say that I don't, there are things that think, oh, I would have done this a little bit different or what about this scene or what about that? I'm not sure if that really worked. But in general, the show is a masterpiece. It is a perfect thing. And uh, we were able to get it completely unadulterated, completely without commentary. And hats off again. And I've said this so many times, but like hats off to the people who created this, this show. Like it shouldn't even exist in this world. And it does. Now I got to watch it. Yeah. The, the, the show just speaks for itself. And um, it's just amazing. Just how deep and meaningful the show is. And just uh, that, that's the thing. Like, you know, for us, like that, we all have our own sort of personal connections to it. Um, you know, that, you know, I, I guess for a lot of us, you know, we, we feel so deeply, you know, compassion, you know, for, you know, for this franchise, probably compared to other fandoms that are, you know, other franchises, um, you know, that we also, you know, 
love as well um but nothing can like sort of compare it to the dark crystal and it's just i mean it's like with the original film like you know it was way ahead of its time so is the show so was age resistance and i you know it's still going to be a hit way ahead of its time you know even uh you know when we get to five or ten years down the track if there's going to be anything that's going to be like age of resistance you know sure if we get more age more more stories to sort of you know um that able to continue the story but it's yeah it, it's just um yeah it, it, it was just a very surreal show and um just yeah like we all never imagined it, it it would ever happen the way that we got the show um yeah it's just yeah again it's just yeah still incredible and, and i mean like you said like even for myself like there are you know there are little things that i don't like about it but i'm like that's like those things are a very very minor like you know that's like probably like one percent of things that i don't like but it's like they're not things i'm like ah oh, you know it, it you know it, it takes me away from the show or anything like that it's sort of like ah oh, you know yeah you know you may not like this, but it, it you know it, do, it doesn't matter. It's not, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I actually I have a little question for Jamie pertaining to something we touched on last time, but I would love Jamie's insight on on this theory, or maybe he hates it. We'll see. Um, so a lot of people have brought up the possibility that Hup could actually end up being sort of a father figure or like an uncle figure to Kira down the road. Um, because there could be a connection there between the, the fact that he was such a an integral party member for, you know, these heroes of Thra during this stage. And since there's so many hints that Kira is a descendant of like Brea and Celadon and like that, that bloodline, that it makes sense that maybe Hup could be the reason why she ends up with the podlings. Um, but also what I kind of brought up was the fact that Kira knows an awful lot about dream fasting for someone who was not raised by other Gelfling. And um, the fact that Jen doesn't even know anything about dream fasting, and he was raised by mystics, but Kira, who's raised by podlings, she teaches Jen about dream fasting. And the only podling that we know of who's really versed in the ways of dream fasting is Hup. And so that does kind of raise that question of, um, what do we think about that possibility down the road of Hup maybe being one of the voices that raises Kira? Do you think there's any Oh, girl, can of worms, can of worms. I love that idea. Uh, as an aside, I'll say I, I would bet that there were other Gelfling alive with Kira as she grew up and sort of the last ones died off. Maybe they were very old and I don't know. Um, and some of them taught her her ways, taught her Gelfling culture before they passed away. And she and they're telling her almost like the mystic or is it Ursu um, telling her like you're the last so you have to keep our ways going. You're the last of us. So they taught her all of those things while her mother, podling mother, was raising her. And at the same time, maybe Hup is informing her. Um, yes, these are who I know. These are the people that I've, I've met on my own adventures. Hup is almost like the, the Bilbo, the Bilbo Baggins of the story, where he's got this wisdom totally, totally. Oh my God, that'd be amazing. Stop getting me excited. <laughs> I know, like even I was thinking about the pod, like when we're talking all about podlings, I'm like, they are sort of the hobbits of yep. the Lord of the Rings in a way. <laughs> yeah. Totally, totally the Lord of the Rings. In a hole in the ground. But, you know, I, I totally agree. I think that, um, 
I, I have always kind of suspected that, especially now after watching Age of Resistance and sort of it seems that it's closer chronologically to the film than maybe we had thought it was prior to the show's release. Um, there's less of a gap in between than maybe we had realized, so it's possible that some of the characters who were alive during Age of Resistance might have been around at the in the early stages of Kira's lifetime. And um, so that theory, I, I will agree that she was probably exposed to um, a couple of other elder gelflings possibly in her in her early life and just another you know bit of speculation that that we can all wonder about until our heads explode but I think now Hup definitely it makes sense for Hup to play a role in that and um I think a lot of people have their own theories too which is why when we posted in the on the Facebook group asking about um what are your thoughts on Hup you know it's you know Phil made a post asking for listeners to give to weigh their thoughts and we got so many responses right off the bat because so many people want to see more Hup and have all of their own ideas about it and and also so many of the same um sentiments that that we said about how I had no idea he was going to be this and this and that I totally thought he was going to be Jar Jar I thought he was just going to be comedy but he blew my mind he's my favorite like some people we have um Donna posted a picture of her little Hup action figure sitting on the um the dashboard of her car like he goes with us everywhere we never go on an adventure without him it's just like how cool is that i love that um, yeah and I, and I love like i mean even even for myself like even i sort of i decided to get a little hop of myself you know with the with the witter weta action figure which i'll go and bring it up on the camera because i oh, know this nice. is audio but so there he cool. is oh yeah. i love him yeah oh, i just man. Uh, Let's yeah. describe him in great detail for the podcast listeners. Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. Um, but, I mean, that, that's the thing, like, I, I guess that's the thing now, like, with, with the show, you know, had ended. It's sort of, I, I've, now I feel more of an urge to buy all these, you know, wetter figurines just to keep keep the memories going, you know, for, for the show. Um, but, you know, I did I did bought Hopper as part of my birthday present a while ago. And, um, yeah, no, it's very, well, you know, they're, they're amazing. Like, I, I know that they were amazing like seeing some of their figures from the other, um, you know, with Lord of the Rings or the statues there and uh, quite a other franchises and, and based on the images as well. But just, but just seeing it up close, it's like, yeah, it's, um, yeah, the workmanship is just insane. And just, and again, you know, it's just like all, all the detail they went into, you know, with creating the character of like Hup um, and, you know, just, just the clothing, you know, and just everything you know, even his little hat, you know, sort of thing that he wears. Like I loved in that episode, I think, um, you know, when he doesn't have his hat on, I think in episode, I think it was eight or nine, I think. Oh, nine or 10 actually, thinking about that now. So um, uh, just seeing, yeah, how crazy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Just seeing his crazy hair, which is sort of what it's I- It's funny how sort of <laughs> the podling hair, we, we had these ideas about, you know, the fact that he kind of looked like a stoner when we just saw the pictures of him. But, like, his outfit and his look has context now, and it makes sense why he looks the way he looks. And um, I, I can't imagine him looking any other way now, you know, when we look back at what we thought. And, and that, that's it. Like, that, I mean, that was probably one of the only things about with Hop that I guess is so bummed about that we didn't get more of him, you know, once he got, you know, injured from Skekmal that he was sort of stuck at the circle of seven sons and he couldn't join up with, with Deet and Rian, you know, going to the, 
back to stone and wood to sort of help. Um, he would have been in grave danger, I think, in that scenario. He's too small. I think one of those bombs or whatever, I mean, one wrong move and that's it for Hup. I mean, he's, he's, he's better be lucky he survived Skekmal's toss, you know. Um, and that would have been heart-wrenching. If totally. we had lost Hup, like, oh. uh, I was nervous that. that they would have killed him off just yeah. because sometimes things happen in stories, you know, but I'm glad that they did. I think one thing that Henson could do on their own without a Netflix budget or a streaming budget with their own budget, they could tell a practical story with the character of Hup in their own studios, building a small forest or whatever they need to do, some small locations, and tell a podling story with a very cheap budget, very practical, um, and have it really be successful. Um, and sell the show or whatever. Like, they could really... There is so much there that they could t- talk about and so much story that they could tell. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, there, there is that potential that, like, you know, they could be like, well, you know, while we're trying to try and get Age of Resistance happening... We could at least, you know, do these little short little stories that, you know. And Hup is even perfect Even if it's like three that. minutes long, you know. Yeah, Hup is the exactly. perfect character and, um, for that. And they don't need to have big celebrity names attached to it. Um, and the fact that most of it would essentially be unintelligible. You know what I mean? Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't be in English spoken word. That creates a whole other interesting perspective on sort of a, almost a callback to like silent films in a way or... Um, making a commentary on what, how much of communication is universal, and which Hup is already a huge commentary on that, just in what we have from him already. But, um, but yeah, I agree with Jamie that if if we had had more of him toward the end of the series, like I would have been so nervous. I was already kind of nervous, just like Jamie said. Like I was already kind of nervous at that point. Like you know, Hup has all the qualities of the kind of character that a show would kill off to get you right in the feels and make a big point. Like, I kind of feared that. Like, by right around episode six, I was already, like, worried for Hup. So I was really glad that that wasn't the way things went. Even though I do agree with um, with Celia, one of our listeners, who commented that she really wanted to see Hup riding into battle on top of Lore. <laughs> and when she said that, I thought, ah, oh, that kind of would have been awesome. Just, ah, with his spoon in his hand on top of Lore. Um, so that's a fun image. <laughs> yeah i know that would have been amazing yeah 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 so who knows what the future holds for hup um but yeah i definitely hope that um i mean for me my big thing is i just hope that he gets to sort of you know get in this sort of paladin armor sort of thing you know the, the puddling version sort of thing and actually i mean it does make me think about whether he's going to potentially be a leader for the podlings where the podlings are actually going to do something or or if he tries to sort of you know rally to them but the polings are like yeah that's not our fight sort of thing um that's that for me i'm very curious about if in future stories you know with harp whether um he might try and rally the podlings um as well but who knows so <laughs> okay. also uh, i don't know if we got a chance last time to shout out to victor yared for his performance i mean the dude killed it he was awesome absolutely he was amazing absolutely amazing hop was he was just alive in a way that some characters weren't in 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 my opinion like his puppeteering the 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 amount of um expressions 
he just felt him. He was all feeling. You just felt ever his eyes, his uh, everything, everything. It was perfect. And I think there's a lot to be said too about when a character is puppeted by the very same person who's doing the voice, um, which is you know not to say that there isn't still something magical about the other characters who are born of something collaborative between the puppeteer and the voice actor. Like that's great in its own way as well. But there is something really special about the fact that Hup is created essentially entirely by one man's performance both physically and vocally um at the same time and that that's just there's just something really special about that that i think wouldn't have worked as well if they had done it the same way as the other characters you know which isn't to say that the big name actors didn't do a great job because of course they did but i can't imagine if hup had been puppeteered by by victor but then they brought in like i don't know adam sandler or some big name comedian to come in and do hup's voice just to be able to say you know we have this big comedian's name add to the list of our celebrities um because the importance of hup transcends the need to attach a big celebrity name to it he just he speaks to us because he's hup you know he doesn't need to be adam sandler or jack black in order for us to think he's great so there's there's just something, something so, to that. I know I was just I was actually just I I was just imagining um, Adam Sandler just now as um as Hop, you know, different G, <laughs> no good. That's, that's somewhere there's an alternate universe where it's, I know. <laughs> Age of Resistance yeah. is a Happy Madison production. Let's let's not go to that timeline. Uh, no, no thank you. No no um, no Happy Madison involved in this uh, one. But at the same time, I I hope yep. that this really. Um, Victor, I feel, has all the same amount of skill as as all of those big name comedians and character actors, and I feel like he deserves to be up, you know, held on the same pedestal as actors like that. And this just goes to show that um, a lot of the time, talent and skill and passion and how much heart he puts into that character, all of that matters way more than the fact that it's a big, well known name. Um, and I really, I hope he becomes a big, well-known name, though, man. Oh yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Just it, it, it was, yeah, just incredible work with with Victor, and um, yeah, we're bringing Hub to life. And I, I think, yeah, you know, I think James Reedy, I think he mentioned about how um, that Hub and and Brea in particular that they're different puppets to the rest because they were they were like a, a new design. I think that the the main puppeteer had one hand controlling the head, body, and mouth. Um, that they can control the eyes and the facial expressions via a, a stick connected to the puppet. Um, yeah, whereas whereas with other puppets, you'd have a main puppeteer and someone on a separate control system, you know, doing the the face facial expressions. Um, so just having the one the one person sort of do, doing it all. Um, just I, I guess you know for some you know get you get a more sort of natural movement. Um, because you're not having to sync up with someone else, um, especially when it comes to like eye movement um, when turning the head. So that was something that James Reedy posted on the Crystal Shard a while ago. Um, and I mean, that'd be the, I mean that'd be the most interesting thing because like those characters that they were that the way the puppeteer were a bit different and worked out great. It'd be interesting whether that technique becomes, you know, if they do make more Dark Crystal moving forward, whether they'll you know whether they might all the puppeteers you know to go through that technique or if it's going to be based on just a preference um of course like with the puppeteers a way that they want to perform the characters so 
um but yeah no it was very very interesting um to say the least yeah but yeah no victor did a great job and um um and like you said especially like you know having the one person you know doing the puppeteering and the voice and another example i just think of is neil sternberg you know as skekok which you know i think that's another prime example of you know you know to to have you know the puppeteer and the voice you know if it works yeah it works brilliantly just stick yeah. with it and alice denine as uh, the ornamentalist as well um we we spoke to uh, jamie and i spoke to her about that as well and there is just something really extra magical about when the puppeteer is doing the voice as well and i think i hope we see more of that like not just for dark crystal content but just for more puppet content in general to see the puppeteers really get to show off their acting chops because puppeteers are some of the best actors in the world Totally. Neil, by the way, Neil's performance of uh, the scroll keeper is he steals every every scene he's in. He steals his delivery, his voice, the puppeteering, everything. It is he is one of my favorite characters in that film. And just the, the, the arc that the character has him becoming initially, he's this very like jovial. Hey, I kind of like this Gexy to like, oh, no, he succumbed to the darkening, you know, um just his uh neil's amazing amazing um i know there's just so much that we could talk about like with hup and um yeah i'm I'm just hoping that we'll get more stories from him i mean luckily we did get some stories um from the age resistance comics that that came out um i think that arc um the hup and buffinius actually came out the the paperback version came out recently so people can actually read his entire story um which is cool and also i mean the whole comic series as of now you know it's all wrapped up so um all those 12 issues are out and um yeah so that, that was really cool to at least you know we got a little bit of hop but i think we all agree that we want more hop definitely <laughs> and we want more of all of it but if we had to pick one little thing about it to get more of i think hop would be a good choice because he's one of us we are hop hashtag we are hop yeah we are hop yep <laughs> All right, so um, I think we'll we'll probably wrap up for this um, episode of Trial by Stone. But before before we officially wrap up and everything, um, I know uh, um, Jamie. I, I know you talked about this, or Jamie, you talked to me that um, this is pretty much this is the the sort of the last show that you'll be on <laughs> uh, for Trial by Stone as a sort of co-host. Um, basis and um again i i mean i just want to say jamie like thank you so much for you know being part of you know this journey that we've been on for so many years um you know really you i mean you've really been with the podcast pretty much from the get-go really i mean even from the early days i think when i had you on um you know as a fan essentially and you know we're talking about all these different ideas that we had at the time with the documentary and and, and then finally meeting up at Star Wars Celebration. This is back in 2015. It's like, geez, that's like five years ago. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah. And, and it, you know, we've, we just always had great times, you know, just chatting Dark Crystal. And I know we're going to for many, many more years to come. Um, oh, yeah. But, yeah, so. No, I'm not no. going anywhere. I'll still be around. We'll still be in our groups. And, I mean, if you guys want me back on the show or if you think it's important, I'll certainly come on. I just, I have a lot going on, yes. as you guys know. I, yeah. <laughs> I, know you've, podcast, I know because um, I, I traitor yes. traitor I know. we'll see <laughs> we'll see come crawling back to uh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah exactly no it's all good but I th- yeah thank you 
it's been, I mean, really, it's been awesome. I mean, the doors that have opened up for you and I, all three of us really, but certainly you and I, Phil, you know, and I met you, I think we met each other when Trial by Stone only had like three or four episodes maybe at the yeah, time. No, Not no. It, yeah, it was, um, it was probably about three or so episodes. And then I think you contacted me You're like, yeah, it's like, ah, yeah, oh, yeah. let's chat, you know, and yeah, 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 yeah. And I was thinking of doing uh, the Podling podcast or whatever I was going to call it. Um, but yeah, I, you know, the show is amazing. Uh, I am such a fan, um, and I always will be. And if obviously, if there's another announcement and they've found another home for the show, the game will change again. Um, but it's it's been great, and you guys are wonderful, and you're some of my best friends. And uh, yeah, so it's probably not forever. I'll I'll come on again eventually. But no, no, not either. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll definitely get you back on. You know, every now and then. You know, as a, as a special guest, of course. Um, but no, you, you've you've been really integral um, to the podcast, and it's like it, it, you know, it's it's meant a lot to me. And like there'd be times, like even in the early years, when I'm sort of doing things by myself, and I'm just like you know, sort of not knowing what to do, and and then having to sort of get you on the show, sort of thing. Um, it's it's you know, it's been great, and um, you know, even like the the couple of years you know, we're waiting for the, the show Age of Resistance to come out, and we just had so much fun, like just, and we still do, and we still do. So. Um, yeah. yeah. And Phil, ladies and gentlemen, is the reason when I met Phil, he was a podcaster. I was not. And I started what is now the biggest podcast in my life. Perfect Organism, Alien Saga podcast. It's the biggest podcast in its genre, in its whatever. Um, and Phil was in part responsible for that. And then I started another one, which is Shoulder of Orion, the Blade Runner podcast. Also the biggest podcast in its genre. The only podcast in its genre. Um, so much of my podcasting career, oh, I owe to oh, you. And, uh, that's amazing. Yeah. It's, it, it's, it's, it's crazy to think about that. Um, and, um, yes, but you know, do I need to leave you guys alone? I can, I can tell <laughs> early if you need, it's fine. I'm just no, kidding. but really, <laughs> I, I think like Sydney, like with you, like I remember when we, we were doing the, the roll up to age of resistance, and seeing your commentary and then you sent in your video for the video thing that I did. And I remember thinking, oh, this lady's got it. She's got it. She's poised. She, she's succinct. It, and Phil and I at the time were talking about another voice for the podcast. And I was like, Phil, you've got to talk to Sydney. She's it. Um, so I think you're in good hands. I mean, I was just going to say I wouldn't I would not be here if not for Jamie I owe so much of my every opportunity I've had in this franchise has been via a message from Jamie. Um, so I definitely um, I mean, you've been sort of my my Obi-Wan throughout my growth as a as a new podcaster baby. And uh, you're always going to be that for me. So I you'll be back. I'm not going to be too terribly sad about this. Because oh, yeah, I will. Maybe I can legit. tear into Celadon. Um, yeah. sometime if you guys have a Celadon episode I'll be on that episode <laughs> no more tears just just full of joy and so yeah again yeah thank you so much Jamie and you know whenever you're you're more than welcome to come back on the show anytime um, and uh, yeah so it's, it's all been good and you know that's the thing it's like you know we've still got more you know even though it's sort of at a time where we don't know what the future holds for the franchise you know we've, we've it being sort of 
cancelled essentially well but has been cancelled um not knowing you know um but like we still got like this age of resistance has sort of opened up so much and there's so many characters to discuss and so many books um to get into of course with the dark crystal bestiary that um came out which is a brilliant book um yeah so again we got we just got so much dark crystal to to discuss you know these 10 episodes have opened up so much so um definitely stay tuned uh, yeah for more trial by stone If you'd like to get in contact with the show, you can do so at darkcrystalpodcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash darkcrystalpodcast. Follow us on Instagram at darkcrystalpodcast and on Twitter at darkcrystalpod. If you'd like to support the show, subscribe to the podcast, write a review on Apple Podcasts and consider being our Patreon supporter at patreon.com forward slash dark crystal podcast thank you all so much and stay tuned for the next episode of trial by stone this podcast is brought to you by thamescon bringing conventions to oxford and london including the great conjunction the first ever Dark Crystal Convention in the world. For more information, visit their website at www.thegreatconjunction.com.